We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. KC Laboratory. Sponsored by Emprise Bank. It's the KC Laboratory presented by Emprise Bank member FDIC. Thank you so much for spending a little bit of time with us. I do want to make sure we're thanking Emprise Bank again for making this show possible. Uh, and it's so great to be partnering with them too. Just wanted to make sure to get that off the top. But we really appreciate y'all uh, spending a little bit of time with us, whether you're watching out on YouTube, Facebook, wherever you're watching. Uh, wherever you're listening to us, whatever podcast channel, we are so appreciative of you supporting KC Sports Network. And we got a great show uh, to, today. Going to continue our season preview with my dear pals. First, find him on Twitter at Chief in Carolina, Maddie Lane. What is good, brother? Everything is good. I just want to say that I trust Emprise Bank with my money, like you guys trust us with your football takes. So I think that is the route we should have gone to thank them. I think that's the best analogy we can use for how great Emprise Bank is. And I don't know what's going on with this new intro. I enjoy it. I'm really digging it. It didn't really throw me off this time. Usually Kent's not the lack of what's up, everybody really gets to me. But this time I liked it. I, it even kicked out to the you know, what's up, brother, at the end. Like, I, I think we're good. So, Craig. What's up, brother? Oh, you're going to call me brother. (laughs) Um, uh, I'm just used to it by now. Kent's going to do his own thing. I'm just going to let him do his own thing. Yes, I too want to thank Emprise Bank for presenting this podcast. We're doing this because of them. So thank you very much. We've got yet another preview of the Chiefs season coming up here weeks three and four we know you guys love these reaction to the first one was really really positive so we're gonna keep churning these out until we get all the way through the season kent what you got for us buddy well we didn't have a choice we had to finish it after we started weeks one and two we couldn't just no stop. i think we could have just killed it right <laughs> weeks one and two listen let's have you ever watched shark around. tank like i think kevin tells you to take bad ideas out back and just shoot it <laughs> and so we could have easily done that like i have the property we could take it out behind the barn and we could just put it into this idea but i think everybody enjoys it you guys really like this segment that we do in the off season and so do we it gives us a chance to get familiar with a lot of the teams that are upcoming and changes that they've made over the past off season. So it's a fun segment. It's just, we could, we could end it. We could. Well, we're not going to, (laughs) we're going to keep it going. And yeah, like Craig said, we, we get a lot of response from, uh, from this. Can I be honest with you guys really quick? The reason I keep 
intro and why I've completely done a different intro is because I want to make sure to get all the names right. Because it's just, it's a hard transition. You know, we're, we're seven, eight episodes in. I got to consciously make sure that I'm correct here with the Casey Laboratory. I got to make sure because, you know, I'm, I'm teleprompter guys sometimes. And mm-hmm. if I get in too much of a rhythm. You're just going to get into an automated path and start, you know, going down <laughs> something completely different that we've done before. Yes. Exactly. Ken Swanson and Ron Burgundy, often stars mentioned in the same breath. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, that is uh, that is what very typically happens. Uh, let's play go ahead and get into. <laughs> oh, I mean, oh, I play a mean flute. I play a mean flute, brother. Um, week three, the Chiefs will be playing the Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, they will be playing them at home. What is the quality of this rock roster, Craig? I mean, it's good. Uh, the Chargers typically put together a good roster on paper. It doesn't always play that way as the season goes along, as we're acutely aware now. But they've actually got a fairly strong roster, added a couple offensive line pieces this offseason to try and help Justin Herbert have a little more time. They've, they've really got a lot of their defensive players back. They added a couple more that I feel like are pretty good. Like, I feel like... Top to bottom, this is a pretty good roster that uh, the Chiefs, are. if the Chargers could put it together for a full season, which they haven't been able to lately, but if they could put it together for a full season, could be a threat. And I think we saw that Justin Herbert last year, coming in as a rookie and playing the way that he did, I think that growth curve is a little bit faster than we all thought he was going to hit some of those milestones. So there, he's definitely a challenge in the AFC. And with this kind of roster, they could put together a good squad if they can stay healthy. Well, that's always the issue with the Chargers. Is the paper team always looks great. I mean, it's looked so good that we've going back like eight years now of them being picked to win the AFC West, and it just simply hasn't been happening. Because when the games come out, whether it's injuries, whether it's just pieces not fitting as tightly together as you want, they just are a team that's always better preseason than they are once the season goes on. Part of that has been the injury bug. So hopefully they have fixed their strength and conditioning program to get these guys up and running. You never want to see a team, even a divisional opponent, that's constantly being knocked out by injuries to key players or any player. But when you go through this Chargers roster, it is hard to pick out a position that has a lot of holes in it. Like a position group, I should say. Because like there's some holes in the offensive line. There's some interior guys outside of Corey Lindsley that aren't great. Like that's a potential weakness. You are starting a rookie at left tackle. Your right tackle has a long injury history on the defensive side of the ball. The second level hasn't been particularly good. The linebacker group's still young. They're still developing, but I wouldn't say any of them are high quality players right now. So it's just, there's some question marks on the team. And if the Chargers pass shows us anything, those guys aren't all going to gel until late in the season, if at all. When we get this every year with them, the Chargers are the contenders with the Kansas City Chiefs. But I think top to bottom, I think this roster is the team that comes closest to competing with the Kansas City Chiefs. That doesn't mean I'm predicting them to do the impossible and beat Patrick LeVon Mahomes. But this team has addressed some of their biggest issues. They've made some you know, very conscious investments in their offensive line. I'm sure some of those players will pop up here uh, soon in some of these other uh, subjects that we'll be kind of discussing. But really, the, the biggest issue for this football team was addressed up front. They've done a good job of protecting their young quarterback who has some very unique skill sets and talents that can 
you know, try to go toe to toe with Patrick Mahomes and at times, you know, catch catch Patrick Mahomes on a on a bad for Patrick Mahomes day and Justin Herbert might be able to go and make a few more plays. So um, they've certainly done a, a lot to insulate that quarterback. And, um, you know, th- this is a quality roster. I'm not going to, you know, we get a lot of jokes off on the chargers and I'm definitely going to continue to do it because I don't see anybody beating the chiefs, but that's the reality. This is, this is still a very quality roster quality of a, of the staff. Well, hold on real quick. The most important thing about this roster Justin Herbert has grown his hair back out. Like he now looks <laughs> like a quarterback one, something that he did not look like last year. He played like it, but you know, he's grown the hair back out. So he's now looking like a competent quarterback. So that, that's big. He's got, those, he's got those sunshine locks again. He's competing with Trevor Lawrence a little bit. Yeah. That's a big improvement. That's probably the biggest addition for this roster. <laughs> the quality of the staff. It's, it's going to be an interesting one out is Anthony Lynn and company in Brandon Staley, Joe Lombardi, uh, Ronaldo Hill uh, in that coaching staff. What do you think about that, Maddie? And this is the big thing. Brandon Staley was really good with the Rams as the defensive coordinator. He did a great job with them. He also had Aaron Donald, which as good as other players are in the NFL, Aaron Donald is a cheat code. You can essentially run whatever defense you want and it's going to be relatively good. And you can add in some other you know, the Jalen Ramsey effect into this as well. So What is Brandon Staley going to be as a head coach now? He's now in charge of this entire team. He's not just a defensive coordinator anymore. He's got a lot more on his plate. What kind of impact is he going to have on the offense with Justin Herbert? Is he turning it all over to Joe Lombardi, who I do think is a quality offensive coordinator? I think he's a good guy to bring in and kind of run that room. But Brandon Staley's still going to have to have some kind of control there. I don't think that Lombardi's a guy that you just want to release everything on the offensive side of the ball to. You're going to want to oversee that. And he's a first-time head coach. This is his first time doing it. I wouldn't say he has the best resume out of any guy making a coordinator to head coaching jump. So it's a big hire. I think it's interesting and worth following. But right now, I think it's just this coaching staff is completely up in the air. Yeah. Uh, Ronaldo Hill is the biggest question mark for me of all these guys. He's never been a defensive coordinator before, and I'm sure that means that Brendan Staley is going to try and imprint on the defense, like mold it in his image. But Hill has been a defensive backs coach. Like he was a defensive backs coach for Denver in 2019 and 2020. So he stayed in the division. He knows Patrick Mahomes. He knows a lot of this this roster pretty intimately just from playing against a lot of these guys. But before that, he had a year as an assistant defensive backs coach in Miami. And then in a college game as a cornerbacks coach, defensive backs coach, again, he played in the NFL. So he knows kind of what it takes to get some of this stuff done. But being a first time defensive coordinator, walking into that room, trying to imprint Staley's entire plan on these guys and be able to game plan, come up with the things as you know on a granular level during the week. That's difficult. Like Steve Spagnola brought in Ken Flajol this this year to try and help out with some of this stuff. You guys stop it, trying to help out with some of this stuff. And Spagnola's been in the business forever you know there's just a lot on the plate for a lot of these guys so it's a big chunk that he's going to have to bite off here it just remains to be seen how he's going to be able to translate from being a defensive backs coach to being a defensive coordinator against Mahomes and company yeah I mean Brandon Staley you're right his resume is short but he's obviously done a lot in a short amount of time and it's not just the success on the field but he by all indications really impressed 
uh, the Chargers with with his interview, very obviously because he got the job. But it's always interesting to see these guys with the meteoric rises um, because there's all there's you know very often something pretty special about guys like this. And but who was our last defensive minded? coach like that who is the last like defensive head coach that rose to the top within what it's been four years five years since he got to the nfl like that's a quick rise and for a defensive minded head coach i can't think mm-hmm. of another one off the top of my head that hit that quickly no I it's certainly either. been a long time yeah it's not it, something that's happened a lot lately it's 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 unique and um it's fascinating to see what brandon staley is going to integrate there uh, he definitely is not short on talent especially mm-hmm. the talent that this team brought in this offseason. The Chargers had a good offseason, and there's plenty of new additions to discuss. Craig, what's your favorite new addition for the Los Angeles Chargers? Man, as much as I want to pick something along that offensive line, I really love that they caught Asante Samuel Jr. in the second round of this draft. I think that he fits perfectly what they want to do on defense. I think he's going to really match up well with a lot of guys he's a very physical feisty cornerback he knows all the technique he's going to be able to run everything they throw at him it's not going to be a problem at all yeah he's a little bit short and they've already got chris harris that they like to play in the slot i think they actually might end up playing a little bit of a smaller lineup you know because right now they've got tavon campbell that's playing outside opposite of you know uh michael davis Brandon Fasion, how do you pronounce that? Somebody, somebody hooked me up with that. Fason, Fason, thank you. My goodness, I Fason, Fason. Anyway, <laughs> they don't have a ton of outside cornerback depth. A ton of guys that are really strong. And since Chris Harris is going to hold down that slot, I do think that Asante Samuel is going to be one of those starting guys week one. So I'm really excited to see how he fits in there because he was one of my favorite players coming out of the draft this year a guy that i really liked his game so i'm really curious to see how he fits in a defensive-minded head coach's scheme for me the uh, new addition is going to be this guy uh derwin james he was a safety out of florida state he's played five games over the past two years and he's now back i don't know if i can pick this but this is my answer because everybody else is rookies I, and there's some other good guys i actually have another one but i'm gonna see if kent gets to it but I mean, derwin james he didn't play at all last year He played five games in 2019. He's extremely talented. He's as talented as any other safety, maybe player in the entire NFL, but he can't stay healthy. He hasn't been able to stay on the field. So what this defense looks like with a non-rookie Derwin James is a giant question mark. You don't know what he's going to bring to you in terms of his versatility, in terms of the high skill of his play. Getting him back is going to mean more than adding anybody else this team did this entire process. So I am excited to see a healthy Derwin James, and I do hope they get that for the entire season. Fine, I'll take the low-hanging fruit. Rayshon Slater was oh. selected in the... Oh, oh you're gonna, I, I, I wonder where else you're going. Uh, I actually have an idea. <laughs> Are you going Nick Neiman? I am not. I you can. You might go Ben Neiman's brother just for fun. No, I was just uh, going to say Jared Cook to replace Hunter Henry. You're getting a high, lower ceiling tight end, but a guy that's a lot more consistent. And I just think has had proves on a week in, week out basis to be a more consistent player than Hunter Henry has. So that could lead to less big splash plays, but a lot more consistency out of the position for them. I think that could be a like under the radar big signing for them. Well, I, they, 
they went out and just completely overhauled their offensive line. They closed it off uh, with Rayshon Slater. But Ode Abushi comes from Detroit. Corey Lindsley, uh, the big signing, who I believe the Chiefs were uh, in on uh, reportedly at center. Matt Filer from Pittsburgh. They went out and they just they addressed the entirety of their offensive line. And they closed it up with Rashawn Slater out of Northwestern. Um, one of the, one, the, some people thought he was the best tackle in this draft. And he is a guy that has, you know, some concerns about whether he's going to be able to hold up that left tackle. I think he's just going to be fine. I think he's going to be just mm-hmm. fine. I think he's a, a exceptional. And if they hit on him and if he's able to hold up out there, they got exceptional value. They've got a guy that, they're going to be able to just rely on to protect the backside of their uh, one of the better young quarterbacks in the National Football League. And with everything else they've done uh, up front, that's just a great end cap to just going out and aggressively addressing the offensive line. The Chiefs were not the only team to go out and do that. It kind of feels like it. Yeah. But the truth is the Chargers really made aggressive moves to go and fix their offensive line too. Uh, all right, players to watch. For the Los Angeles Chargers, there's a lot, but I think Joey Bosa, I think you start there. And I know that's just a lame answer, but I'm really curious to see how Brandon Staley profiles him in this defense. I'm fascinated to see if he's going to be able to hold up for the duration of the season. Health has always been a concern for one of the highest paid defensive ends in the National Football League, but he is an exceptional talent. He will always be a big problem. And I don't want to make it sound like Brandon Staley. Matty made a good, great point. Your job's pretty easy when you have an Aaron Donald and a Jalen Ramsey on your defense, but Joey Bosa is still an elite talent too in my book. And let's not pretend like there's nothing like the cupboards bare for Brandon Staley, and he's just gonna have to figure it out himself with you know with 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 what talent he has available. That is my player to watch. Los Angeles. Chargers. My player to watch is another new addition that I didn't get to get to. So this is great. Um. Josh Palmer. Uh, Josh oh, Palmer buddy. got added in the third round. Josh Palmer was a player that all three of us absolutely adored. We loved the kid. We would have been very happy with him in Kansas City. He is probably going to end up playing as their slot receiver. They're going to have Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, and now they get to have Josh Palmer work in the middle of the field, which he is more than capable of. He gives them that third receiving option and you know fourth if you want to include jared cook in there another good receiving option so they've got a set of weapons that can really help maximize justin herbert he's going to have the time behind that offensive line if you have a team that can really match up well with Allen and williams on the outside now you've got a guy that can win in the middle of the field with josh palmer I am excited that he's going to an offense that can actually use him and maximize him. I think that they probably will be able to. I am not excited that he is in Los Angeles and in the Chiefs division because I do think that he's got the potential to be a ridiculously good player, especially from the slot. I'm mildly surprised we didn't get Craig going with his guy, Kenneth Murray, after so many people questioned him down the stretch last year, and Craig was one of the last people left to defend him. But... uh (laughs) I'm going to go back to another draft of another draft crush of many of us, Jerry Tillery. He's stepping into the shoes of Melvin Ingram. And you think back to this Chargers team, what's kind of been their defensive identity These since they drafted Joey Bosa. 
And it's been that pass rush. It's been the one-two punch of Ingram and Bosa working together, especially when they put them on the same side, getting Ingram twisting to the inside a little bit or playing from the inside. Jerry Tillery can do some of the same stuff if you want to put him next to Bosa on the defensive line. I'm also interested to see how he plays as just a base defensive end. I think his career started a little slower, but he's had some flash plays. He's had some good games. He's had moments where he's looked like the prospect that we thought he was. I think we even talked about it in the Casey draft guide about how he could make sense as a defensive end in the NFL and not just a defensive tackle. So now you're getting the chance. Like he is going to be their second defensive end across from Joey Boza. Let's see what he has. Can he fill Melvin Ingram's shoes? Or is he just going to be this kind of bigger base defensive end that has to kick inside and just kind of have this moderate, good NFL career, but just to have a moderate impact and not really fill what Melvin Ingram brought to the table? All right, man, we're going to have you lead this one off. How do the Los Angeles Chargers beat the Chiefs? This is always a tricky question. I feel like the Chargers have played the Chiefs relatively well these past few years, but you have an entire new staff. You have a lot of new players coming on board. So this is one of the few teams I almost feel like would have somewhat of a shot at a shootout. We've seen Justin Herbert been able to put up some points. They have the receiving options to put up some points. If this team wants to go toe-to-toe with the Chiefs, throwing the ball through the air and just have it come down to they're the team that gets the last possession, maybe this talented defense, Bosa, Derwin James, maybe somebody makes a stop and gives Justin Herbert a chance. I could see them pulling one out at the last second. That's kind of how I see it. If if they, you know, Justin Herbert's capable of making some plays and he's going to have to play above a uh, above his head. And I, I mean, that's saying a lot because Justin Herbert is an exceptional young quarterback. But if you're going to try to win this division and you're going to try to beat the Kansas City Chiefs, you got to go toe-to-toe with Patrick LeVon Mahomes. And that's what is up for Justin Herbert. He's going to have to make more plays than Pat. And until he does that, it's going to be Mahomes' division. Yeah, that's definitely the case. And the way that they can do that is by living up to the paper team that they see there, what everybody sees in the offseason, actually living up to that potential. That's how they could contend with the Chiefs. That's how they can keep in a game with the Chiefs. We've seen Gus Bradley's defense run with Patrick Mahomes for a long time. Is that going to translate? Is this new offense with all these new weapons and the new offensive line going to translate? Like, there's so many ifs, but the players that are on paper are certainly quality enough to match up well with some pieces of this Kansas City Chiefs offense and defense. And it's a divisional game, so we know it's going to be close. So I do think that if they live up to that potential, I could see this being a game or the later divisional game being a game the Chargers can steal this year finally for that team but man they got to get through Patrick Mahomes first it's been a struggle so far all right it's time to ask the question who is the Chiefs MVP week three against the Los Angeles Chargers and I am going with Chris Jones if he can go out and get good quick interior pressure against that revamped interior offensive line that is going to be a big step in this team creating disruption for against a young quarterback that you know He's done fantastic getting in and out of trouble for sure, but that quick interior pressure can definitely uh, cause some problems. And I think Chris Jones stepping up against a great interior, uh, uh, an improved interior offensive line led by Corey Lindsley would be a great start. 
my guy is going to be Tyreek Hill. I, I think that the the Chargers are going to struggle a little bit with some speed on the outside. Nasir Adderley is going to be that free safety, but Derwin James may have to play a little down in the box to try and counter against Travis Kelsey. That could leave Tyreek Hill with some advantageous matchups if he's playing a little bit more on the outside. Might if the Chiefs can protect Patrick Mahomes long enough to unleash some of those deep balls, I can see Tyreek Hill being the guy that has the gaudy stats in this week three matchup. Craig's on the right page here. Derwin James is going to be worried about Travis Kelsey, and it's not going to matter because it's going to be Travis Kelsey. He has seen everybody talk about Derwin James being, you know, playing well against him, being able to shut him down in like three plays that they went up against each other. Nah, he's out for revenge now. Travis Kelsey is going to put it on Derwin James. When Derwin James is forced to back off him, he's going to put it on Kenneth Murray, Kaiser White, whoever else they try to throw out there. So an easy Travis Kelsey vote for MVP here. All right, let's jump ahead to week four in the Kansas City Chiefs and Big Red travel to play the Philadelphia Eagles in Philadelphia. The Andy Reid return. You know, he's already played the Eagles uh, in his time here in Kansas City, but it was at Arrowhead. And now he gets to return the favor in a big way in Philadelphia. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, Let's talk a little bit about the quality of the roster, Craig. Man. When you go from looking at the Chargers roster to looking at this Eagles roster, it is a little bit night and day. Uh, <laughs> the, the Eagles don't quite have the same talent that we've talked about with some of these other teams. We talked about the Browns and the Ravens in, in our first week of doing this. Then we got to turn around and talk about this good, talented Chargers squad. This is going to be the first one that I feel like the Chiefs talent is overwhelmingly better. Now, there are definitely matchups and things that they the Chiefs were better at in those other three games that we've talked about so far, but they are overwhelmingly better than this Eagles roster. I just don't see them as particularly deep. There are so many questions about Jalen Hurts as a quarterback. I know they got Joe Flacco behind him. That's not confidence-inspiring either. So I do think that they've just got a lot of things that are going to need to take some serious steps forward. And I just don't know that they've got the bodies and the talent in-house to really be able to make the strides to compete with some of the better teams in the league, in the NFL, which the Chiefs are. And similar to the Chargers, this is a team that has suffered a fair amount of injuries over the last couple of years. Like they've had a hard time staying healthy, especially along the offensive line. But then you start rolling through this roster and to Craig's point, this is one that looks like a bottom half of the NFL team. Like just on paper, this team doesn't look like they are ready to compete for a Super Bowl, maybe not even for a playoff spot, depending on your feelings on Jalen Hurts at the quarterback position. So it's just, this is a team, the Chiefs should blow out the Philadelphia Eagles if you're playing this game on paper. Like their roster is that much better. There's a lot of holes in the second level of the defense, the third level of the defense. The defensive line looks good in some spots, but they still might be missing a little bit of a pass rush. Their offensive line has a lot of question marks. You can't really tell me there's a single position other than the right side of this offensive line of this Philadelphia Eagles team that you feel really good about. And the right side of that offensive line is Lane Johnson and Brandon Brooks. Both guys have had their fair share of injuries over the last couple seasons. Like, where do you feel great about this Eagles team? You don't. And I don't think that this, I don't think they're done stripping this thing down to the studs either. I think that's the thing about this is Zach Ertz. They're probably going to move on from a Zach Ertz here uh, relatively soon. So I don't think that they are even done 
making some adjustments to this roster and, and any that they can get some assets for, I think they're going to do it. So that's where, I mean, this, this thing is not, this thing is not ready year one and it's probably not going to be ready year two unless Jalen Hurts takes a big step and he will be taking that step. If he does under new leadership out is Doug Peterson, Super Bowl winning head coach, Doug Peterson, and in is Nick Sirianni, a name you might be familiar with, Chiefs fans. Offense, his offensive coordinator is Shane Steichen. And uh, this is this is an interesting one here, too. We're two different teams under some, uh, some changes uh, yeah. on their coaching staff here, Maddie. Yeah, and this just continues the parallels. It's another coaching staff that doesn't have a ton of experience across the board. It's a rather interesting rise coming up to the you know, the job of the head coach, offensive coordinator. What are they going to bring to you? But unlike the Chargers, I don't know if there's a ton to really hang your hat on with this. You're almost like you're trying to follow the path of the Bengals where you're just hiring guys from certain coaching trees rather than the coach themselves. You're saying, hey, this guy's from this Frank Reich coaching tree, so it might work out for us rather than looking at what he specifically has done. I have a lot of questions about their entire process here. It almost feels like they've dealt Sirianni a bad hand trying to get this thing going because they hadn't given him a lot of help. I don't think that he has a lot to fall back on if things start to shake sour. So I don't know if he's going to be a long-term solution for them or a guy they just got to fill in place while they do this rebuild. Which I hope isn't the case because I actually like Nick Sirianni and I liked a little bit of what he had done in Indianapolis before coming over here. But he brought over the cornerbacks coach from the Indianapolis coach or Colts as his defensive coordinator. And once again, a guy that hasn't had a whole lot of defensive coordinator experience, mostly been a defensive backs coach. Can't, yeah. Craig, Jonathan Gannon is like your age. The Jonathan Gannon, he's 38, yeah. so he's like your age. Yeah, yeah, he he is just barely older than I am. So yeah, Jonathan Gannon is a guy that hasn't had a ton of experience. Has been mostly quality control coaches and defensive backs coaches. Now he's going to be thrust into a situation where, unlike when we were talking about the Chargers and Brandon Staley implementing a scheme, Jonathan Gannon is on his own. Like he's going to be flying solo with his defensive scheme here. That is a huge task, especially when he doesn't have a whole lot of talent on that defensive side of the ball. I could just see, like Maddie said here, I can see this being a situation where everything just goes poorly and you're playing in Philadelphia where the media and the fans are going to let you know it immediately. His leash will be short and I just don't know that they've given him a whole lot to work with. This is one of the least desirable jobs in the National Football League right now. Maybe the least. I mean, there is a structural dumpster fire within that organization. Howie Roseman, um, there's there's a lot of tension there. Him, Jeff Lurie, there's a lot of cooks in the kitchen. They just moved on from a head coach that won them a Super Bowl with Nick Foles, by the way. Uh, and now they're stripping the roster down to the studs. There's There was tension with their uh quarterback that they went all in on that howie roseman went all in on and somehow gets to escape that decision um it's just a fascinating situation for everybody 
And I don't feel, I, I feel bad for Nick Sirianni. I hope he takes the opportunity and runs with it. I hope some people kind of stick to their roles in that organization and give this thing a shot because that's unfair to uh, to Sirianni and company. If they that's don't. a really kind way of saying that. I hope that those people stick to their roles. Like, I mean, stay, I don't know what stay else. out of the football I'm, side. It's a mess. <laughs> I just, I mean, there's so many stories about the the dysfunction within that organization. So it's it's, I mean. I don't know. It we'll is. see. It is. It's 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 crazy. All right. New additions, Craig. What you see? What do you like? Uh, when the Philadelphia Eagles drafted this player this year, I said this is a perfect fit. I, I didn't like a ton of their draft, but I liked them picking up Landon Dickerson. Landon Dickerson is going to endear himself to this fan base, endear himself to this city immediately. High character individual is going to play through injuries. It's just that kind of tough dude, very Jason Kelsey-ish. And Kelsey's still there, so he's probably going to be the center this year. You probably have Landon Dickerson playing left guard, learning a lot of the calls. They're all learning this offense together. So he can line up at left guard, learn from Kelsey, and take over that position in the future. I think that that's a really, really good fit. Remains to be seen what they're doing on offense, but I think that Landon Dickerson is a very versatile player that can line up in any spot in the interior and succeed, and I think he will in Philadelphia. For me, it's got to be Anthony Harris. I think if you're looking at what Jonathan Gannon might be doing on the defensive side of the ball, it's playing a lot of zone coverage, a lot of Tampa 2, a lot of cover 2 stuff. It's relatively soft. But when you go back to the Colts, where they've really covered themselves with that has been really good linebacker play, allowing you know Darius Leonard and Bobby Okereke, Anthony Walker, these guys to just run free because the defensive line's eating up guys, letting these longer athletic linebackers just kind of run around a little bit. The Eagles don't have that, so they're going to need coverage from somebody else. You bring in Anthony Harris, who's an analytics darling. Anybody who covers the football from an analytics standpoint loves Anthony Harris. When you watch him play, I think from a film standpoint, you kind of, I think you come away thinking he's a little bit more of a scheme-specific guy. He's definitely a second fiddle, but you're looking at him with the Eagles, he's going to have to step up. Like He's going to have to be a guy that plays as well as you know the, analytic, the analytics say because he's going to be one of the few guys that's able to man the middle of the field for this defense that is going to be giving up a lot of short passes, that's going to be allowing guys to attempt to run the ball. Someone's got to make stops. Someone's got to come downhill and cover the middle of the field in the short and intermediate passes. I don't see anybody else in this roster that can do it. I am stunned that Craig did not go with Jacoby Stevens. Like, absolutely stunned. I'm still Good job, sad. Kent. He was saving I'm, him for his uh, reason they can win. No, I'm, I'm still sad that the Chiefs don't have Jacoby Stevens on their roster right now. It makes me very sad. I don't want to talk about him. Well, I'm going to, like, honestly, here's the truth of the matter. There's not a lot of moves to be excited about with this football team. And these two guys took uh, two of the ones I would have liked to go with. I'm going to go with the low-hanging fruit again. I've got to go with Devontae Smith, the uh, very light wide receiver for uh, the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, it's 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 going to be interesting. You know, he doesn't meet a lot of the standard thresholds for this position, and his height weight isn't particularly predictive of success typically, uh, but the talent is undeniable and he's a special player. He was a special player at, at Alabama winning the Heisman trophy. It's going to be so fascinating to see his career development 
And I'm excited to get a look at him early in the season because, I mean, the talent on at the collegiate level is, is great. It's just a matter of how he's going to be able to sustain success physically. Is he going to be able to do some of the things that he was able to do against a much more physical uh, competition? And Devontae Smith is the guy uh, I'm excited to watch. Okay. We, we got to ask the question, but it feels like we should just skip it. And I don't want to get too overconfident, but how how do the, how do the Philadelphia Eagles beat the Chiefs? Uh, is it a preseason game, and the Chiefs are bunching all their players? Is it a game that doesn't? Week three. Is yeah. it is it a game that doesn't matter? No. Okay. Did they can't? Did they we won't. do players to watch? Kent doesn't want to talk about this roster anymore. He's done. He's done with the Eagles. He's like done. they are the season. Oh. oh. We need to do. We do need to do players to watch. Can we just call that the the how does this team beat the Chiefs segment? Yeah, I, I don't think any of us genuinely think that this team is going to line up and beat this Chiefs team, even in Philly. Like I just don't see it happening. You could throw a battery and hit Patrick Mahomes in the head, and Chad Henney's probably coming out there and beat. Don't this do roster. that, Philly fans. Don't, don't do that, Phillyites. Please don't Maybe do should, this. Just let Pat. Just let Pat rest that week. Oh, just, just okay. We're him. we're okay. Now we're getting a little confident there that we're intentionally resting him. At least I was having him take the field as if he was preparing to play before he got injured. That's you were all. having okay. him hit in the temple with a battery. It's going to take a lot to bring this down. This is man, Philadelphia. That, they might throw a car point. battery. You didn't specify a double <laughs> A or anything. You know that's what? True. I'm gonna I'm gonna blame myself for this derailing because I jumped out ahead. And we'll just go ahead and go to players to watch now. We'll try to get this thing back on no, no, track. Because mine's the same. My player to watch is the reason that the Philadelphia Eagles could, in fact, beat the Chiefs. And that is that the Philadelphia Eagles decide to stick it to me, myself, put Hakeem Butler on the field, and he goes for <laughs> 575 yards at tight end and 18 touchdowns, and they outscore the Chiefs and Patrick LeVon Mahomes because Hakeem Butler finally realizes the potential I saw in him at Iowa State. Yikes. Okay, my player to watch is going to be Fletcher Cox. Fletcher Cox is consistently mentioned in and amongst the best defensive tackles in the league, which he is, don't get me wrong, but it has been a couple years since he's had the sort of measurable impact. Now, he's been playing on some bad rosters. He's been playing on some bad teams. I get it, and I get the situation that he's in, but now you're in a new defensive scheme. Now you're in a situation where you've got to change and adapt yet again and i'm really curious to see how he's going to be able to translate if he's going to be able to flip that switch because he stayed healthy so far in his career if he can get that uptake again start seeing him really produce in the passing game as well as the run game then all of a sudden we might be talking about fletcher cox's resurgence a little bit more rather than kind of looking at this roster and just kind of glossing over everybody on it i'm excited to watch the jalen hurts experiment we got a very small sample size yeah. of it, and there's really not a lot to be excited about in this on this roster, frankly. And we've addressed the handful of players that are fascinating on this roster. I'm not trying to completely dunk on Philly, but also uh, Andy Reid's ours. He's not yours, by the way. I forgot Yeesh. to get that in there. Uh, and there's only a few more seasons when he'll longer in Kansas as Philadelphia, and then it'll be officially ours. But Super Bowl champion Andy Reid is our coach. He's not your coach. You <laughs> didn't want him. You treated him poorly. We treat him with respect. He's ours. Take that. We were rewarded. We earned it. He's not yours. Bye-bye. 
have fun on the way out. Anyways, back to the Jalen Hurts experiment. You should brush gonna, your shoulder off again. I'm going to. Andy reads ours. He's not yours. Um, but yeah, the Jalen Hurts experiment is going to be interesting, at least. Nick Sirianni, I'm fascinated to see what he's going to do with Jalen Hurts. There's there's some speed on this roster. There's some talent on this roster on, at the receiver position with Jalen Rager and Devontae Smith. There's a couple guys there. Miles Sanders, the offensive line is an abysmal, although I do think it's probably going to be, a, a, I don't want to say a fact-checking year, but it's just going to be trying to, to to understand what you have with a guy like Andre Dillard, for instance, who's been very often injured and has kind of had a rough start as a first-round pick out of Washington State. You're going to see how some of these guys look, but there is going to be some, you know, the, the, the right side of their offensive line's good. Uh, so Jalen Hurts can stay upright long enough to make a couple of games here or there interesting. And I'm excited to see how it looks and, and you know, if he's able to hold off, you know, the, the Eagles drafting a first rounder uh, in next year's draft. Okay. We already skipped. We already skipped. Who, who, did the, who, how do they beat the Chiefs? They don't. But big question here is we've been doing. Who is the Chiefs MVP against the Philadelphia Eagles, Craig? Man, I, I think that this is too easy because it's Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Look at the linebackers that the Philadelphia Eagles are going to be trotting out there. We know this offensive line is going to be significantly approved for the Chiefs, so they're going to be able to really maximize Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. He's going to get to the second level and make guys miss, and then he's going to be running at Harrison Smith at the third level. I think Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is just going to have a monster game against the Eagles. Running at Anthony Harris, not Harrison Smith. It's slight, you know, same team, Minnesota Vikings. Harrison names. Smith is slightly better. Uh, yeah, I was all set to go with Tyreek Hill because, you know, Darius Slay can't cover him all over the field. And Avante Maddox, like Kayvon Seymour, or a Zach McPherson, Levert Hill, none of those guys are covering Tyreek Hill, but it's zone. And as Craig so eloquently put it, their linebackers aren't very good. So the MVP is Travis Kelsey because he destroys zone <laughs> coverage and they don't have good second level zone defenders. I, thanks, Craig. You, you helped me out on that one. Yeah, glad that I can help, buddy, even if I got the safety wrong. I'm going to go ahead and go with Legereus Sneed just because we haven't really got his name involved in the first four games, I don't Ooh. believe. And, 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 and Legereus Sneed, uh, he's a, a ball hawk. He's a playmaker. He gets his hands on the football. And Jalen Hurts is a young guy up and coming with limited reps under his belt. And he's primed to turn the ball over to Legereus Sneed, the playmaker. The continued ascent of one of the better young cornerbacks in the National Football League, a guy in a redraft that would go in the top 60 picks in last year's draft that the Chiefs got in the fourth round. Legereus Sneed, MVP for the Philadelphia Eagles game. How about that? All right, that is going to do it for the KC Laboratory. Thank you all so much for spending a little bit of time with us. This is a lot of fun. We'll be continuing to do this game preview series throughout the entire offseason. We'll be doing all kinds of shows again twice a week, Wednesdays and Fridays. Expect KC Laboratory shows. Thank you all so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for reading. Catch us on kcsn.substack.com with all of our written content. We will catch you all later.